With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Pick up a 12-pack today. Enjoy your Podcast Miller and Day's time to make our picks for Week Eight of the college football season. Uh, last week, Steve went ten and five. That was after going eleven and four the previous week. That's a pretty good two-week poll. I went nine and seven um, so far on the season. Dace with four hundred seventy-four confidence points. Me with four fifty-seven. Dace is fifty-six and forty-nine on the year. I am. I think probably somewhere around the same. Oh, you know what? I think I had a little math error. I am exactly the same. So we're both 56 and 49. Well, here's what, here's what it means. I wasn't as bad as it looked a month ago, and I'm probably not as good as it looks right now. That's, that's pretty much what it means. Your rule of three applies right now, right? Yeah. You, you, eventually, you revert to the mean. I'm pretty good at this, but I'm not Jimmy the freaking Greek Snyder. That's, those are two different things. So. You know, I mean, we always wanted to go up against uh, Jimmy the Greek, and, you know, we tried to get War to come on a radio show and do this. But... And there it is. Glad we got that in, our <laughs> weekly Wayne Allen Root reference. <laughs> Take a drink, ladies and gentlemen. And next up, Dace will reference, make a Michigan reference, next up on this week's Miller and Dace podcast. And Dave. over under on the word hotness in this is set at 3.5. <laughs> John will then throw in a meat on the bone. So let's get going. Let's get yeah. cracking. And Go. from two years ago, we might even have a dumpster fire to roll. <laughs> Every year, there's something new. <laughs> I'll throw in Bill Snyder's record as an underdog, right? Here we yeah. Go. You know what? The show just you'll did ask itself. Me about my, you'll ask me about the time I worked at Manpower, so yep. let's rock this. I'm Folks, ready. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Week 9. We just gave, we just gave you the Sgt. Pepper's uh, Miller and Dace version right yep. there. That's, that's the same, right. It's the same songs every every album. Yes. And uh, still, of course, coming to you from the Exile Brewing Company Studios. Thank you to them <laughs> as well. That's Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Let's get on with Week 8. Auburn is on the road at Arkansas. They are 13-point favorites at Arkansas. Steve, I, I found something this week that suggests Brett Bielema's buyout may not be as cumbersome as we originally thought. We thought it was $15.3 million, but apparently it's closer to $5.3 million. Mm-hmm. And if that latter point is actually the case, uh, he may be in some trouble. And I think he's in some trouble this weekend. I'm going to put 13 points on Auburn to cover the 13-point spread. You should be right. Um, I'm taking Auburn too, but I don't know what to think after what I watched on Saturday with them. I, I mean, you're up, you're up 20 to nothing in the first quarter and the other team has something called Danny Etling at quarterback. Mm-hmm. John, you have to win that. Okay. You come into the game, your quarterback is completing 80% of his passes in SEC play. You've got the number one 
rusher right now in the Southeastern Conference in on Johnson. You have a top 10 national defense. You're up 20 to nothing and you lose. Right. And then, and then how do you let, how do you, how do you let the cookie monster out game manage you in the fourth quarter? What in the world was Malzahn doing going for that? Just punt the ball. You got two timeouts. It's college football. I mean, play field position. It's LSU. You know, they most of the time can't move the ball across the street. Yep. So this looks to me like a buyout bowl, similar to what Malzahn and Les Miles played last year. I think the loser of this game's toast. I do. And the, and the only reason Malzahn, if he loses, would not be toast is I think his AD's on the way out. And they may just decide at Auburn they've got to figure out the Jay Jacobs situation and let the next AD come in and, and figure out what to do with Gus Malzahn. Uh, because you take away that very first year where he shocked the Southeastern Conference with that no-huddle offense. He was really the first team guy to bring that in, um, even beyond what Johnny Manziel did, because he brought tempo to the SEC. He took the Johnny Manziel offense and made it he was the first team that made Alabama and Georgia and these schools play 90 plays of defense. And they went all the way to the national championship game. You take that year out, this guy's record's pretty much 500. Uh, So uh, they should dominate this game. I I don't know of a personnel advantage they have, but they shouldn't have lost last week. So I'll put three on Auburn. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Brett Bielema was coaching at Kansas State next year. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if both of these schools had different coaches next year. That would be something. Um, Michigan State is at home against Indiana, and you know we're using the opening lines of the week. Michigan State favored by seven and a half. I don't know what's happened to that line uh, today with the learning that L.J. Scott, running back L.J. Scott from Michigan State, was arrested for the seventh time. Mm for driving with a suspended license seven times. I mean, that is just, that is just blatant and open and willful. Yep. Um, ignorant, uh, not ignorance, just define the law. That's exactly what it is. It, now it's, the, the, it, it, the good go news, the good news for people like you and I who appreciate justice is his head coach is the Dean of discipline. <laughs> oh, come on. You're so, trolling me. So okay. that's good. You know, you know the hammer's coming down. Yeah. This is one of those things that, in some respects, says more about a football team and a program than if you have one or two players that do something violently wicked. Because of, when you have 135 players on your team, or 85 scholarship players, 20 more walk-ons, and you have depraved human nature somebody's going to be bad. That's just the reality. You can't avoid that. You, you could have a, a program that is very healthy and even have a small group of kids that just go off and do their own thing. That's, and their own thing happens to be man's inhumanity to man. This, though, it's one of those things that you don't have to be this guy. You're just doing this because you're a douchebag. You're just doing this because you're lazy. You're just doing this because there's no accountability at all. The, what, how hard is it to, to not get busted for this seven times? 
You're on a freaking college campus, first of all, where there's all forms of transportation. Secondly, the football program can make sure you have that if indeed it is necessary. Thirdly, you're a high-profile athlete at a major university college football program. There are probably plenty of, of members of the opposite gender that would happily that would drive your happy ass all over East Lansing if that's what's necessary. Well, I don't know. After last year, I don't. I don't know if that's the case. But go ahead. It. This to me, I think, just speaks volumes of just don't care. I, I just. It's not that I'm a bad person. It's not that I'm wicked. It's not that I'm evil. It's just that I don't care, and no one makes me care, and no one, ha- and 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 I don't have to care. I think I think this, in some respects, says more about what happened with their team last year than even the horrible situation with the with the player rape we learned about in the offseason. Because again, I know because of what happened at Baylor, the assumption is when this everywhere this happens now means there's a rape culture. Um, but you can just have some kids that just do a bad thing, and it doesn't necessarily mean your program is systemically flawed. But this is the kind of thing when you have a guy just repeatedly flaunting for no reason. What's to be gained by doing this? This isn't a guy working 50 hours a week who got his license suspended for an OWI once and he's got to keep working to feed his family. He's a major college football player. Why is he doing this, John? Why? I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just if 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 I'm his teammate, I'm, I'm pretty ticked off. I mean... Again, it's the seventh time that he has faced this charge or a similar charge. And I begin to wonder about, you know, what's the judge doing Yep. on all these times? Exactly. I, I mean, it's just, okay, it, just punish the guy. Okay, you can't drive. Well, how's that working out for you? This, this, see, I question your coaching discipline on this far more than what happened with, with the with the awful sexual assault because from what we know it appears they pretty much handled that as best you could when something like that happens on your watch this is one of those things where how can you not make your kid clean his room this is this is this is every if you if you and i are both parents man if you've been a parent for five minutes you fear that it could be your kid who does something horrible and we, and as parents, we almost have empathy for that when it happens to another fellow parent. You know who we don't have empathy for? Walmart mom, Walmart dad. The kid losing his poop in the aisle at Walmart, and the parent gives in by buying him the candy bar he wants. Mm-hmm. That's the one we don't have any empathy for. You know what I'm saying? Right. How much effort does it take to pick up your kid, swat him on the butt, or tell him, hey, hey, you do that again, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you hate life for the rest of the afternoon. How much effort does that take? This is seven times. What a total lack of discipline. Now, this notwithstanding, I liked Indiana in this game anyway. And, and this to me is just, a, is just a gut instinct. Sparty has had four, now four weeks in a row where they have played games that have gone down to the wire. They've had to find a way to win. Indiana had another big game crushing, invent a way to lose last week from their perspective. If you're a Michigan fan, you think we held on. If you're Indiana, you're like, we found another way to lose. At some point, you know, we opened up the podcast with my record the last two weeks, and I mentioned you just revert to the mean. I'm pretty good at this, but I ain't an expert. At some point, Sparty's luck has to end, 
At some point, Indiana's look has to change. I think that happens on Saturday. I'm putting 10 on the Hoosiers, and I think they're going to win the game straight up. I am putting three on the Hoosiers. Let me read this to you. Um, February of 2016, Scott was pulled over by an East Lansing police officer charged with driving on a suspended license. The charge was later dropped in exchange for an equipment violation citation and a $500 fine. Next month, March of 2016, an Ohio State Patrol trooper pulled Scott over near Ashland, Ohio for driving 87 in a 70 on a suspended license. He was charged with that, a misdemeanor. Court records show he was found guilty on both counts and paid $330 in fines. The following month, April of 2016, he was involved in a vehicle crash in Cleveland. He was initially charged with leaving the scene of a crash and driving without a valid license, but court records show those charges were dismissed after Scott pled guilty to one count of reckless driving, a minor misdemeanor in Ohio, and paid $531. Three months later, in July of 2016, Scott was pulled over by Michigan State University police for driving without his headlights turned on. According to a police report obtained by the Lansing State Journal, Scott told the officers he and a friend were leaving a party. Scott admitted a red plastic cup in the center console that contained alcohol belonged to him. Which is why he was driving with his headlights off, not to be seen. He passed the sobriety test, was charged with driving on a suspended license, and driving with an open alcohol container. Both charges were later dropped when Scott pled uh, to two counts of impeding traffic, a civil infraction fast forward to march of 2017 pulled over by michigan state police again charged with driving on a suspended license the charge was dismissed in exchange for scott's plea to one count of impeding traffic which as we just learned is a civil infraction and in july of 2017 he was charged near his hometown of hubbard ohio this would be his fourth issue in ohio um with driving on a suspended license. He ultimately pleaded no contest to the lesser charge of driving without a valid license, court records show. And it's not clear, according to the Lansing State Journal, why his license was suspended in the first place. I mean, I'm just telling you if, you, if you've been through this, this isn't the only thing you got going on in your life. Let's just keep it real, brother. No question. There's other things happening here. No question about it. I mean, it's You're not like a 4.0 student, model taxpayer, mama's boy who just so happens to be caught driving on a suspended license seven times in 18 months that's not the way the world works bro okay it's 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 unbelievable that this type of behavior is allowed i mean that 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 you can that the system is set up to where you can like plead down all like seven times i mean what are these judges doing i mean is it really a case of well you know because two of these two or three of these go sparty campus police and go sparty yeah I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, moving along. Purdue is on the road at Rutgers, and they find themselves as a nine-point road favorite. I'm going to put 11 on Purdue to cover this one. I'll put six on Purdue. Um, I just don't like the number nine. Scares me to death of a backdoor cover one way or the other, you know. But uh, I'll put six on, on Purdue. I like the way they're playing right now. The... Incredible football machine known as Penn State is at home against Michigan. Unbeatable, in fact. Greatest team ever. Lowly Michigan. Mm -hmm. Penn State's favored by 12 on the opening line. Um, This may shock you. I'm only going to put one point on Penn State in this one because uh, 
I, I don't know. I mean, some point in time when you're the best team in college football history, it maybe goes to your head. The punditry on this all week long has been unbelievable. It's been worse than I thought it was actually going to be. Um, I tried having some fun with it on my own podcast this week. Clearly, a lot of Michigan fans do not understand parody, satire, really tongue-in-cheek, or snark. Oh, my. It got so bad, John. YouTube demonetized my video two days ago because there were so many complaints against it. We then had to request an individual review. Tell us what the complaints are about. And when they went through and did their own individual review, they realized they just disagree with my opinion. There was nothing offensive, and so they re-monetized it. I'm not making this up. We went through this for the last 48 hours at Michigan Podcast with YouTube. That's People incredible. were pe- Michigan fans just losing their poop over this. Not, I, I put in the comments, we had like 200 comments on this video. Like, I think four times now I have posted, guys, this is satire. Guys, this is parody. It's tongue-in-cheek. Well, you need to put it in your description for one. But number two, what a bunch of maroons. I'm with you. I'm like, have you guys never heard of – maybe we're just old now and the Lou Holtz po'boy routine just isn't known by the social media crowd like it was when we were little kids. Maybe, I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe people are just stupid. How about we just bottom line it? <laughs> this reminds – when I first started at WHO, there was, a story, there was a story about a girls' basketball team that had played a another girls' basketball team, but it was a school for the blind. And they had beaten the school for the blind 155 to nothing. To make a, to make a greater point, I went on the air and applauded the girls' team <laughs> who, beated the school for the, who beat the school for the blind 155 to nothing. And I pointed out, this was natural selection. Oh, my. Those that are blind are inferior. This is evolution. And if anything, they showed them too much mercy. Beat them 500 to nothing. Survival of the fittest. Now, you know some of the controversies I caused in my old job. This was one of the few times I ever got called into Van Harden's office. Wasn't for going after the governor. Wasn't for going after Supreme Court justices. It was for this, bro. Because he wasn't listening to the show, and people lost their poop. Lost it. Thought that I was advocating all kinds of barbaric insensitivity and um and i explained to him what i was doing he's like one that's brilliant two don't ever do that again without warning me because three i wasn't listening to the show and so i'm getting bombarded by complaints from people and i don't know how to defend you you know so uh i i think this is universal i remember i used to play white and nerdy for my theme song on yes, ho yes old ladies called this i had to change it we got so many calls from old ladies who complained that I was playing riding dirty. First of all, why do these octogenarians know what riding dirty is in the first place, right? But uh, I don't. So, many, so many old ladies called up believing that I was that I was a Christian host playing riding dirt, riding dirty as my theme, and, and I was a moral hypocrite. So this is, you know, it's our old boss Van Harden used to say, "Radio would be great if it weren't for the listeners." <laughs> I went through this this week. Now for the game. This situation has favored Penn State all along. And I told you before the start of the year, I thought this was our toughest game. The worst thing that could happen, though, for Penn State, you want, Penn State wanted Michigan undefeated going into here. They wanted Michigan, they wanted to be a three to five or six point favorite. They had, in that case, they had every emotional advantage. 
But you sit here, and, and we've just seen this several times already this season. We have seen this many other times before. When you tell proud programs for a week, don't show up. Just send the band. You have no chance. You suck. We've seen this over and over again. Hell, we saw this last year with Ohio State. Spate's hurt or corn's terrible. Spate playing on half an arm. Nobody, Michigan's got no chance. They should have won the damn game. So we've seen this a million times. Plus, you're given the, the team with the better defense points. So the, the MO is always take them. So I will take them. I do not think Michigan can score enough points to win the game. Wouldn't shock me, though, at all if they did. There are some stats out there about Penn State. When I looked at the game this week, I was blown away by this. John, we're 109th in the country in tackles for loss allowed. That's terrible. John, they have Saquon Barkley. They're 122nd. How is that possible? Wait a second. They're 122nd in tackles 122nd for loss allowed? 122nd in the nation in, in tackles for loss allowed. Their offensive line is abysmal. We're 49th in the nation in rushing. They're 66th. Indiana's probably the best defense they've played. Indiana. Wow. Who's pretty good for Indiana standards, but that's the best defense they've played. I mean, Pitt is awful. I mean, the rest of their schedule is really bad. Well, I take it back. I forgot the Iowa game. I was the best defense they played, but even but that so they so Saquon Barkley has a 200 yard rushing game against Iowa, and they're still only 66th in the nation in rushing. Hmm. So, so I still think they have I still think they have such an advantage at quarterback that Michigan will probably play very good defense, and and he's going to make one more play like he did against Iowa when they had a big advantage at quarterback in that game ultimately. And he made a, he's the one that made the play at the end, and you lose. I suspect it'll be that kind of game for Michigan. I'll take the defensive with that defense and the points with nine, but I do think Penn State will win the game. Yeah, keep an eye on Penn State's right tackle because, um, well, he won't be able to keep an eye on your pass rush because he's not very good. Minnesota, 14-point favorites at home against Illinois. And I don't like that number uh, assigned to Minnesota's name, but then again, I just watched Rutgers yeah. beat Illinois handily in Champaign. So I'm going to go ahead and put 10 on Minnesota to cover this one. And I don't like that number either because it just screams backdoor cover or push. I'll put five on Minnesota. I don't know what Illinois will do. And I don't know what Minnesota will do. I don't, I don't know how good either one of these teams are and what quarterback plays for Minnesota and is the running kid really that much better or – is it just that it was such a change of pace and Sparty kind of thought they were had that thing in cruise control? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Illinois sucks. Wisconsin, minus 24 at home against Maryland. Um, Wisconsin unable to cover a bigger 16.5 last week at home against P- Purdue. Seems like Wisconsin's at home every week now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put 15 on the Badgers to cover this one. I think... Maryland's going to struggle to score points. I think Wisconsin might win something like you know, like thirty to three or something along those lines. Give me the Badgers. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I just realized after last week, I Wisconsin's a team I have no read on. Okay, so I doubted him. I finally bought in, and they win seventeen to nine. Yeah, so let you I, down. and they let me. I, so I'm going to take Wisconsin and just put two points on it because I, I clearly. Don't have a feel yeah, for that, them. That'll teach them. You'll show them. Mississippi State's at home. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they're sitting around right now, waiting to see what Dace is going to waiting. Be. Waiting for me to be Commodus in the arena, giving the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. 
No doubt about it. Mississippi State is at home, and they're 23-point favorites against Kentucky. That's a big number. It's actually 10. I missed that's a typo on my part. It's 10? Yeah, it's 10. Okay, well. I I corrected it on mine. I must have forgot. I must have corrected it on yours. I'm sorry. 10 points at home against Kentucky. I'm going to change my pick if you'll allow me to do that. Sure. Um, I'm going to take. Yeah. I had Kentucky with the 23, but since it's yeah. 10, I'm going to go ahead and take Mississippi State. I'll leave my points the same, just five. I'm going to still take Kentucky. I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. I mean, they're, they're playing good defense. They won at South Carolina. Mississippi State's kind of a one-dimensional offense. They've never really gotten their passing game together this year so far. So I'm going to take Kentucky even with the 10 and put eight on it. So there's one we really disagree on. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma State is on the road at Texas. Uh, they're seven-point favorite at Texas. Twelve points is the amount I'm wagering on this one, and I'm taking Oklahoma State. Well, Tom Herman, we we had this stat last week, and it came through again last week, the trend. His record as an underdog. If you go back to when he was at Ohio State as the offensive coordinator, it's actually 13-0. As a head coach, he is now 7-0 and against the spread with five straight-up wins. Do you know what the odds are of defying an eight to, to a, a, a trend of that magnitude? It's more than one in 700,000. So until somebody defies it, I'm just going to take Texas on a 100% trend as an underdog under Tom Herman. I'm taking him every time until it doesn't work. It worked last week. Didn't look like it was going to. They were down 17 to nothing, came back, actually had, that, had the lead in the fourth quarter. So until someone proves they can break the Herman underdog trend, I'm riding it and putting 11 on the uh, Longhorns. Louisville at Florida State is a seven and a half point favorite. I like Florida State in this one, putting six on it. You know, there's a recent trend we've seen with Florida State, the, or, I'm sorry, with Louisville the last two weeks. Teams they they built Lamar Jackson's Heisman Trophy resume against last year. Two of them were NC State and Boston College. They just annihilated those guys. They just lost both of those games. Hmm. The biggest video game numbers they put up all of last year, the, the game that really won LeBar Jackson, the Heisman, is when they 60-burgered Florida State. Do you remember that? Okay. That's, that's probably the most embarrassing loss Florida State's had, certainly in the Jimbo Fisher era, and maybe since Bobby Bowden really launched them as a, as a program in the late 70s, early 80s. I think it's a major revenge spot. I wonder where Louisville's at right now. Because of the basketball program, the AD, you got a football coach who has a shady past and has in his contract, if the AD is fired, he can leave. So, our, you know, our, our, I, 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 I just don't like the vibe of where they're at. I think this is one of the biggest revenge spots, like Penn State against Michigan, frankly. I think this is one of the biggest revenge spots in college football this season. So I'm going big on Florida State here with 12. Notre Dame's at home against USC. Notre Dame, four-point favorites. Uh, I think this is a pretty tough Notre Dame team. And USC played a tough-nosed team last week, was fortunate to come out with the win against Utah. Uh, Utah went for it on a two-point conversion late, which I like to call. They didn't convert, so they lose by one. I think Notre Dame's going to win this one four points. I feel pretty good about it, 14 on the Irish. We agree. We both have big money on this one. This is my 15-point game. I think the situation, situationally, this is even more favorable. This is the most favorable game, uh, I think, of the week. Notre Dame coming off a bye. USC. Remember we talked in the summer 
and I brought up that I thought one of the biggest or the, the one of the biggest underrated storylines about this season was USC against a tough schedule having a, not having a bye week. And we're seeing it, John. They're down several guys on defense. They're starting three different players on the offensive line than they started the season with. Okay, so there's been a lot. Their star tailback, Ronald Jones, been in and out of the lineup. They had I watched a lot of their game against Utah, and great game. They came back and win. And I know Sam Darnold's turning it over too much. John, he's playing tremendous football, man. He's making huge plays. He's just he has to do more than he had to do last year, because of these injuries and the schedule they're playing without any buys. And so you know about a Kyle Whittingham team at Utah. They're very physical. That's a that's a slobber knocker goes down to the very last play of the game when Utah or the very end when Utah goes for two. Notre Dame coming off a bye, big revenge spot. It's a series that under Brian Kelly, since Brian Kelly took over at Notre Dame, the home team has covered in this series every year. I, I just think this is Notre Dame lying in wait to make a statement to the country. I think they win by a touchdown or more. Oklahoma is on the road at Kansas State, and they're a 13-point favorite. Normally, I would say, well, Dace is going to go with Kansas State. Last week, that didn't work out so well. They, TCU handled them at home. I'm going to go ahead and take the Sooners here, try to ride a little mini trend two weeks in a row here. You're probably going to go the other way. I'm going to put nine on Oklahoma. I'm going to go the other way, but not because I really believe in it, frankly, but nostalgia. I looked it up, actually, today, all time as the head coach at Kansas State. Bill Snyder's a 65% trend as an underdog. That's crazy good, okay? But I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. And I know, I know, I know Jesse, uh, Jesse Ertz is hurt. I know that. Or Ertz, I should say. Um, but remember, they had that ugly loss to Vanderbilt where they put up one touchdown mm-hmm. when he was in the game. And sometimes when age hits, it just kind of hits. And you get the feeling that maybe we're kind of coming to the end here, if you know what I'm saying. And I don't know if you're feeling that, but I think we kind of thought this might be his last year anyway. But I kind of I'm, I'm I, I, you get the sense we're coming to that Hayden Fry ignominious end, you know, or maybe a guy stayed one year later than he should have, you know, and um I think Oklahoma is going to open a can. But because I made a vow, every time Bill Snyder's an underdog, I will take him. I will honor the dude code. I will put four points on Kansas State, fully expecting to lose them. <laughs> nice hedge. Texas Tech is at home against Iowa State. Uh, 4.5 is the number Texas Tech is favored by. You know, is it too much to ask Iowa State to cover three weeks in a row? going to your rule threes maybe it is but iowa state's got a running game they've got a very good running back certainly the best one on the field iowa state can maybe take a little bit of air out of the ball and they can certainly move the ball and score some points on their own i'm going to take iowa state only going to put two on it but give me the cyclones yeah we really disagree on this one i got 13 on the red raiders i think this is this is another major revenge spot i i thought all along other than going to oklahoma this was going to be the toughest game on their schedule because the game in Ames last year was sort of symbolic of the whole season for Texas tech 66 to 10. And man, if you, we watched that game, it wasn't that close, man. It wasn't that close. 
And and I think Tech has has played with a bit of a renewed vigor this year. They they're playing better defense, which is to mean they're not an abort and they're not an abomination. They're creating some turnovers. They're coming off a game where they had a 35-17 lead against West Virginia. They should have won. So you have and they blew it. So you have some urgent redemption. You have some urgency there. We got to get back on our the, off the Schneid. You have the redemption angle. Iowa State comes in feeling good, man. They got the big win over Oklahoma. It made a, it's a program-making statement. You follow that up with a shutout against Kansas. You're feeling good. Redemption, urgency, all on the side of the Red Raiders here. I'm going with Texas Tech, and I'm putting 13 points on it. Utah's at home against Arizona State. I just like Utah's physicality in this one to cover. The 10.5-point spread, I'll put 8 on Utah. Agree. I think this is another game where – one team comes in feeling good. Hey, we got her done. The other team comes in now feeling desperate. Back-to-back losses for Utah. Close games to Stanford and USC back-to-back. Um, and Arizona State, you know, the, probably the biggest win they've had since Todd Graham took them the year they went to the Pac-12 championship game. So I, I think they get a bit of a letdown, US, and Utah gets a big win here. I've got seven on the Utes. All right, this is the game I added uh, as you put 14 points or 14 games out there. Central Florida is on the road at Navy. Uh, Central Florida is... Oh, is that one short? I'm sorry about that's that. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, Central Florida is, you know... I'm going to let you use the term here in a minute. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people like them this year. They're uh, suddenly a popular team. They're new. Uh, they're hot. Uh, but Navy is just a different preparation. I'm going to put four points on Navy. Yeah, this is... They've never played a triple option team. Scott Frost has actually been simulating Navy's offense as the triple option quarterback in practice this week. Scott Frost has been playing quarterback? Yes, he has. Listen, the Knights have been the new hotness. They've been very impressive. Sagarin ranks their schedule 109th, though. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. Navy's a tough prep. Also, Navy, going back to when Paul Johnson – actually, no, it's it's under Ken Niamatotolo. Their current head coach, Navy, is an 84% trend at home. And that includes Air Force got a backdoor cover at Navy a couple of weeks ago where they had a 10-point lead and Air Force scored a touchdown at the end of the game. So Air Force or Navy did not cover that game. But under Ken Niamatotolo, they are an 80 they – they dropped from 85 to 84% cover trend at home. So the odds that they don't cover twice in a row, low. So I'm going with Navy, taking the points, and I'm going to put 14 on the midshipmen. I think they might pull the outright upset because they also have a style of offense where you keep the ball away from that Central Florida offense. They don't get as many possessions as they're used to. Quick sponsor break. We come back with our last game, which is Northwestern hosting the Hawkeyes. Quick break. Sports have been in the news lately and not necessarily because of the outcome of the game. Truth is, sports have always been about more than the game. Playing sports was the first time many of us ever learned what it was like to work as a team, or the first time we unlocked that competitive spirit. Listening to and watching sports triggered our imagination of what it'd be like to be a part of the starting lineup, playing alongside our heroes, or we made memories with our dad, siblings, and friends. Being a fan is special. It's a bond you have, not just with the people you watch with, but with the team you follow too. So when you fly that team's flag on Saturdays or Sundays, or walk by the wall banner in your basement or office, or see another flag flying around town of your team's rival, we know it's more than just a flag. 
It's an emotion. It's a memory. It's your fandom manifested. And if you don't have a flag to fly, well, let us help you with that. Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has nearly every flag from every team from every sport. If you're in Central Iowa, shop our store at 3719 Southwest 9th in Des Moines. Or shop us anywhere in the world, heartlandflags.com. Northwestern at home in sleepy Ryan Field, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Performed very well there two years ago, the last time they went there. Northwestern got some revenge last season in Iowa City. This is a pick em. I mean, can I see Northwestern winning a close one? Yep. Can I see Iowa winning a close one? Yep. But I think I was really, I, I don't see Northwestern winning in a double-digit, you know, quote-unquote blowout. I think Iowa can. I think Iowa will win something like 27-13, 27-17. I'm going to put seven points on Iowa. I don't know what to think about this game because, as you just pointed out, you kind of had, you know, unpredictable finishes the last two times these teams have played. Northwestern's been a burr in Iowa's saddle pretty much the entire Pat Fitzgerald era. era. Um, and they got off the schneid last week. I would have, from an Iowa perspective, I would have preferred they lose that game come in here two and four. And then I think, you know, you start really doubting yourself. Now Northwestern Fitzgerald can rally those guys and say, Hey, we're back to three and three. This is where we were last year. And we ended the season with only the second bowl win in school history. So I think they will be very spirited. I don't think they're very good though, but I think they will be very spirited. Here's what I'm concerned about. We are into week eight, which is depressing because I love this sport. We're into week eight, and we've not had – Justin Jackson has not had a Justin Jackson game yet. 170 last week didn't do it for you? Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. He had the game against Maryland. You're right. All right, so good. Throw that one out there because my fear was, hey, I look over the other side. Akron Wadley's over there. He gets all the hype. Kind of like I thought Akron Wadley would do that with Saquon Barkley a month ago. Right. You know? All right, so he got that out of the way. Okay, so that's not as much of an issue for me then. But uh, I'm going to take Northwestern with one point. I made up my mind, whoever I took, I was going to put one point right. on this. Because I don't have a vibe of really where either team is at. I really don't. That is going to wrap up this week's installment of our picks segment. And week eight, you're right. It is a little bit disappointing that it's gone by so fast. But there's still quite a bit left. I mean, really, Iowa's season's half over. How many games does Michigan play? They're halfway through the year. Yeah. They've played six. Yeah. yeah. Halfway point. So it's week eight, but, you know, still still half the hay yet to go in the barn. It goes too fast, man. We wait all year for this. Yeah, but we got college basketball. I do like the 20-game schedule move. I like it a love lot. love that move. I love the protected in-state rivalries with the home-and-home. Home. I like that, too. They had to do something, man, because they really effed this season for – for, with that, try, having to wanting to play in Madison Square Garden, if you are a Big Ten bubble team, and you know, let both you and I were, were there predicting in the preseason, I think I was going to be better than people think. But um, you know, if both our teams are picked anywhere from fourth to eighth in the Big Ten, so it's not, un, it, you know, it, that means you could very well be one of those bubble teams there at the end, and you don't want to be that one of those bubble teams where you're done playing at the end of first week of March. And they've not even really started thinking about that yet with all those other big-name programs. I think that's a terrible thing they did this year. Terrible. It's gonna, I think it's going to cost one Big Ten team an NCAA tournament bid. I really do. 
you'll be out of sight, out of mind. There's no doubt you will be. I, I don't like it either. Um, but to focus on, on the, the, the 20 game is, I mean, look at this for Iowa. 20 game season, and, and Michigan will be similar in, in some regards, um, and every other big, as would every other Big Ten team. You've got a 20 game season. Um, you've got an exempt tournament, which usually means two games uh, that are against stinker teams mm-hmm. and two games that are against decent to good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa has Iowa State. Iowa also has you and I or Drake. Um, you know, the Gabbitt games is still in the mix for the Big Ten to where you play five Big East teams uh, through 2020, you know, from when it started a, a couple of years ago. So you've got that opportunity there. The ACC Big Ten Challenge, you've got that as well. So you're really only looking to schedule open games, like maybe three or four open games. The rest of it's fait accompli at this juncture, which really there's no excuse for any Big Ten team really to be left out because your RPI wasn't good enough. I think that's mm-hmm. off the table. Agreed. Well, all the home and homes, and because the, the RPI has been reconfigured to more prom- prominently measure uh, games you play away from home, away games, whether on neutral sites or true road games. So when you throw in those those tournaments that you just mentioned and the fact you're going to play 10 road games now against highly, you know, all those are going to be probably with the exception of maybe a Rutgers and sometimes a Penn State. I would think all of those would be top 100 RPI teams and many or the other eight would be top 100 RPI teams. Yeah, I don't think that will be an issue going forward. I'm with you on that. All right. That will do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.